Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do. Like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Gary Parrish, welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds and leaky black. The Ion College Basketball Podcast, it is presented by Jersey Mike Subs. Jersey Mike's a sub above. Chip Patterson is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like your brain and Davies. You have consent. If you haven't yet subscribed to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel, please do that while you're here. Okay, let's get into it. Before the big conference tournaments get underway we are doing short episodes on the six so-called power conferences in some form we're going to have a preview of the acc tournament the big 10 tournament big 12 tournament big east tournament sec tournament and the pac-12 tournament this one the one you're watching right now or listening to right now it's the pac-12 tournament which gets underway wednesday inside t-mobile arena in las vegas first round on wednesday quarterfinals on thursday semifinals on friday Title game Saturday night, 10.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. UCLA is the number one seed after winning the Pac-12 regular season title by four full games. Number two seed Arizona, three seed USC, four seed Oregon, five seed Washington State, six seed Arizona State, seven seed Utah, eight seed Washington, nine seed Colorado, 10 seed Stanford, 11 seed Oregon State, and the 12th seed. It is California. Right now, Jerry Palm has three Pac-12 schools projected to make the NCAA tournament. He's got UCLA as a two, Arizona as a three, USC as a 10. Arizona State is among his first four out. So, Chip Patterson, first question for you. On Selection Sunday, after the Pac-12 tournament is done, is this a two-bid league, a three-bid league, or a four-bid league? Well, first of all, honored to be here. And I understand that while my credentials as a Pac-12 men's basketball expert may be called into question by some, not many, but yeah. some, I am a Pac-12 network expert. Because GP, did you know that here in Raleigh, North Carolina, I get seven different Pac-12 networks? 
if I, I could book. package up just one of these Pac-12 networks, I would give it to you. I have Pac-12 Arizona, Pac-12 Bay Area, Pac-12 Los Angeles, Pac-12 Mountain, Pac-12 Oregon, and a Pac-12 national network, which usually carries some of the same programming as one of those regional networks. And I get them all on all of my televisions. And I'd, I wish I could give you one so I at least can give you the expertise of someone who has access to seven different Pac-12 networks at any one time. You, you, you mean you have these on your fridge or you like actually you can watch them on the same TV that you like watch, you know, ESPN on? At the risk of getting us in trouble for rights, I will say that these are all the channels and they are currently sharing, showing women's basketball. I can get what it on my phone. Know? I can get it on my computers. I can get it on my cable boxes. They exist. And I just, I really wish that technology allowed for me to give you one. And so I feel answer, like this is made up. I don't mean to question you in the opening <laughs> minutes of a podcast, but I feel like this is made up. This sounds I, like the type of thing that some people say, and it's like a good story, but when you start it, you just it it's sounds right strides in effect or mandela just, effect or something just, like people are just trying to speak it into existence to, to yeah. gaslight you into thinking I, that it exists i've never seen the pac-12 network with my own eyes <laughs> like i never seen it you know sometimes you'll, you'll hear about people well not people these days but like once upon a time maybe there's somebody who grew up in california and they'll be like yeah i've never seen snow with my own eyes and you go okay well that's that's interesting i'm sure you'll get to it someday I feel the same way about the Pac-12 network, assuming it exists, which I'm not certain of. Right. But I've never seen it with my own eyeballs. So that I'm I am um envious on some level that you you appear you are at least you are at least insisting that you you have passionately all and convincingly, I hope. It's 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 convincing, except for I just don't believe it, right? It's like a <laughs> it sounds like a great lie. But uh, in this league that does broadcast on my seven Pac-12 networks. I don't I think, believe it. I think we're going to have three. And the way that I see the bracket, um, I, I think that Arizona State's going to beat Oregon State. And then essentially the USC-Arizona State winner is going to be the third Pac-12 team in along with UCLA and Arizona. Currently, USC is 45 in the net. Arizona State is 65 in the net. USC currently in the field, according to Jerry Palm. Arizona State first four out really feels like the situation where if it is Arizona State getting that win, it's a quad one win. Congratulations, you're moving in. And maybe not getting a win in the Pac-12 tournament would be enough to bounce USC from its tenuous spot uh, at the 10 line currently, according to Jerry Palm. So with USC Arizona state winner getting in the NCAA tournament, I'm going to say three. I will also predict it to be three. I think we're mostly on the same page here. Obviously UCLA and Arizona are in, they could lose their first game in the Pac-12 tournament by 50,000 points. They're still in the field. Um, it comes down to USC Arizona state and any potential bid stealer. But in terms of at-large teams, it's really only Arizona State and USC, besides Arizona and UCLA, that have a, an opportunity um, to get an at-large bid in, in this NCAA tournament. It, it goes without saying, um, Arizona State's got to win its first game against Oregon State. Yes. Like it, They're on the wrong side of the bubble now. You lose to Oregon State, you're done. Just go try to win the NIT. I'm not certain. In fact, I'm pretty certain. That, that beating Oregon State is not enough for Arizona State. I, I think they also have to beat USC um, in, in the quarterfinals. And then maybe that's enough. Maybe it's not. 
Mm. And that's that's one where I think you're you're still sweating it out through Selection Sunday. If you beat uh, USC in the quarters and then lose, let's say, to Arizona in the semis, I think you've you you, you go to bracketmatrix.com after that, and you're going to have some brackets that have them in and some brackets that have them out. You'll sweat it out. Obviously, you win the semifinals, go to the championship game. I think that's good enough if you're Arizona State. The question I would have is, does USC have to win that game? Right. Uh, I, I'm less certain of it. Like, I think USC can maybe lose to Arizona State in the quarters and still get there. But ultimately, here's what the way I think it'll play out. Arizona State wins its first round game, beats Oregon State, and then loses a close game to USC. And then Arizona State is is going to the NIT and at that point, I think USC is is safely in the field because the only thing that could happen to you then, assuming the bracket goes as planned, is a loss to Arizona in the semifinals, and that's that should not hurt you. So three-bid league, I would assume it's UCLA, Arizona, USC, Arizona State just on the wrong side, but if Arizona State does beat USC, that's the best path for maybe getting four. Arizona State beating USC to enhance the resume, USC staying good enough to be on the right side of the bubble. Um, and maybe maybe you can be a four-bid league. But ultimately, if I had to bet, I bet it's a three-bid league. About UCLA, number one seed in the Pac-12 tournament, won the regular season title by four full games. Um, would you have US, UCLA as a number one seed in the NCAA tournament right now? Because I would, but Jerry Palm does not. And it, it I'm not even insisting that they have to be. I, I think it's subjective. But I would have UCLA as a one, even though Jerry Palm does it right now. Yes. And, uh, you know, using I, I love listening to the Iron College Basketball podcast for many, many reasons. But one of them is you do a great job of narrowing the focus on what matters, the essentialism part of a sport that has 363 teams. And the one seed conversations often confuse me. But the way that y'all put it on Sunday's episode is UCLA or Purdue. And when presented with that, I say UCLA. I, I think that it's the the more well-rounded team. I know that when we're talking about splitting hairs in terms of strength of schedule and the net ratings and a lot of the resume, it is just very, very small. In which case I go back to my, like, I think UCLA is a better team. If they played a seven game series, I think UCLA would win that seven game series. And so if I have a vote on the men's basketball committee and I am empowered with that opportunity, then yeah, I'm, I might lean back on, you know what metric matters to me? Uh, the loss column or like, right. you know what metric matters to me? The power rating or the predictive matrix or just who I think is the better team. So, you know, sort of piggybacking off of Sunday's episode, should UCLA be a one seed and Kansas not? No. Should UCLA be a one seed and Houston not? No. But would I have UCLA seated ahead of Purdue in this case being a one seed? Yes, I would have the Bruins on the one. I would too. And I, I think everybody agrees, maybe disagrees on the order, but everybody agrees right now that Houston, Kansas, and Alabama should be projected number one seeds. Again, we can debate the order, but everybody's sort of on board with those three. And then it comes down to UCLA or Purdue. And just to revisit those numbers, UCLA is 15 and four in the first two quadrants with seven quadrant one wins and zero losses outside of quadrant one. Purdue is 16 and five inside the first two quadrants with nine quadrant one wins, but they do have a loss outside of quadrant one. So we're pretty similar here. Uh, UCLA has one fewer loss, uh, but Purdue has two more quadrant one wins. Um, and then the, the the main difference for me is that UCLA has no losses outside of quadrant one and Purdue has one. 
And I, I again, that is a small thing to be a determining factor, but it is a thing that can be a determining factor. Uh, so I would have UCLA as a number one seed right now. I would have Purdue as the best number two. Um, we'll see what it looks like after this Pac-12 tournament, but I, I do feel strongly about this. Your four number one seeds are in selection Sunday are going to come from the five teams we just mentioned. Yeah, it, It'll be some combination of those five. Houston, UCLA, Kansas, Alabama, Purdue. There's a scenario where Texas could maybe win the Big 12 tournament and present a case i guess marquette could win the big east tournament and present a case but ultimately it's going to be four of the five we're talking about here and i do think um ucla will will end up as a number one seed let me ask you this i I think more so than in any of the power conferences like everybody is going to pick one of two teams to win this league just about everybody's going to pick UCLA or Arizona to win this league tournament. All the Americans, are, are a real knee slapper. Uh, yeah, no, that's yeah. But you, like, I don't think we can. that. Who's the sleeper? I was like, there are no sleepers. There's, there's, They're all asleep. It's either Houston or Memphis. That's the yeah, only way this thing goes. Yeah. So I would, I, I'd stop short of calling the American a power conference. Right. Uh, but, but certainly like, yes, everybody's going to pick either Houston or Memphis to win that. And most people will pick Houston. Um, in, in the West Coast Conference, everybody's going to pick Gonzaga or St. Mary's, and I think most people would pick Gonzaga, but maybe not. Um, in, in the SEC, I think you can pull, pull a lot of different directions. In the Big Ten, you could go a lot of different directions. But in this Pac-12, it is really the only sensible answer to who's going to win this tournament is UCLA or Arizona. So we'll skip over that part for now. Let me ask you this. If UCLA or Arizona doesn't win the Pac-12 tournament, who wins? A team that has been making – they're just making puddles right now, but they could make bubbles. They could maybe start making some bubbles with the win over UCLA. They've already got a win against Arizona, and they have four wins since Mick Cronin the GOAT, the iconic Mick Cronin took over at UCLA, four wins against the Bruins. The Oregon Ducks are two and four against Mick Cronin, or excuse me, the Oregon Ducks are four and two against Mick Cronin. The Bruins got a sweep this year, yeah, but they were both by single digits: seven points in Eugene, nine points in Pauly. They're an old team with four seniors and a sophomore in the starting rotation. They got like two seven footers that they put on the floor at the same time. And while Will Richardson has not been that dude as often this season in his career as an Oregon Duck. We've seen Will Richardson be that dude. And if you need that ball-in-your-hands kind of player that can go into a takeover mode and a a big tournament run, I think that Oregon's history against UCLA over the last four seasons, I think that the experience, the size, the athleticism, and again, like I think Jerry Palm's got them listed not as the first four out, but another bubble-ish team in consideration. Oregon might be going into this saying, like, all right, if we – you know, win our first game, which, by the way, Washington State will win that game. Um, but Washington State's been playing all right. It's going to be tough to get by Wazoo. But if they can do that, beat UCLA, and then make it to that championship game, then obviously if they win it, they're in. But even just getting there with the win over the Bruins would mean a lot. So, yeah, I I don't know. Who do you have? I, I've got Oregon as my team. If it's not going to be UCLA and it's not going to be Arizona, I think the path is tougher for USC, given its um, history with Arizona this season. I think Oregon's got a shot, a shot the way that they played UCLA close. And of course, I mean, the, we haven't even mentioned Jalen Clark, whose status is undetermined. And like that, 
that could end up being a real significant thing if for nothing else, just kind of changing the way that Mick Cronin and the staff approach this tournament. Like, are you going into this tournament really as more of a fact finding mission? You know, you know, in the back of your mind, you're not going to have Jalen back. So you're trying to figure out what buttons you're going to press, how you're going to mix up the rotations and how you're going to try to account for his absence with the bigger picture in mind of like, we got to find some stuff out here before we get to the NCAA tournament. So all those things into consideration, I got the ducks if it's not going to be UCLA or Arizona. For people who might be unfamiliar, Jalen Clark, second leading scorer, second leading rebounder at UCLA, had to leave um, Saturday night's game against Arizona. He returned to the court on crutches. Um, as of this moment that we are taping this, which is Monday afternoon, uh, there has been no announcement or report about his status. But obviously, when you see somebody on crutches, that is – I don't want to say never a good sign, but it is rarely uh, a, a good sign. And certainly that could play a role, not only in what UCLA does in this tournament, but in the NCAA tournament. Um, I should have put, and I'm glad you brought Oregon up, Oregon in the group of teams that still have, at least in theory, a path to an at-large bid from the Pac-12 tournament. Like we said, UCLA, Arizona definitely in. USC, right side of the bubble right now. Arizona State, wrong side of the bubble right now. Oregon, even more on the wrong side of the bubble right now. But if Oregon went to uh, the Pac-12 championship game and then uh, lost a competitive game that qualified as a quadrant one defeat, maybe maybe the Ducks could have an at-large resume there. Either way, I'm not going to take them to to maybe be the team that that could win this event if Arizona or UCLA does it. I'm going to go with Washington State. Washington State's on a six-game winning streak. And as you know, over at BartTorvik.com, you can sort data from any – it's amazing – from any two dates you pick. And sometimes I'll just – because you're always looking for little things you can say on TV and 45-second clips about teams or conferences or whatever. So I often will like just go back a month and sort it from that date to the present – and it'll spit out things, and you can say stuff like, you know, over the past month, nobody's been playing better basketball than UConn, and you, then you go into that, right? Um, if you go and sort that data from, say, February 6th through March 6th, the third best team in the Pac-12 is, uh, is Washington State. They're 6-0 and in that stretch, um, top 40 in the country, obviously behind UCLA and Arizona. So to be clear, I don't think – Anybody other than UCLA or Arizona is winning the Pac-12 tournament. But if I had to pick one team that could do it outside of the top two, um, I might look at Cal Smith's team uh, at Washington State. All right. Uh, another interesting aspect of, of this Pac-12 tournament is that it could be the last Pac-12 tournament for a number of coaches. If you look at the Big Ten right now, they really might not make a coaching change. Like every coach in the Big Ten might return. Uh, without any sort of terminations or leave for another job or any of that stuff. That is 100% not going to be the case in the Pac-12. So let's run through it real quick. And will this person be coaching in his last Pac-12 tournament this week? We'll start with, and you can answer yes or no, Mark Fox at Cal. Yes. You should take all the T-shirts, all the (laughs) lanyards, and anything that will remind him of the better days, however many there were, as Cal's men's head basketball coach, this is the last one for Mark Fox. Yeah, like that's a definite. I love Mark Fox, but 
about to miss the NCAA tournament um, for the fourth consecutive year, 10th or worse in the league each of the past three years. They're like really, really bad this season. So, yes, uh, a, a coaching change at Cal is coming. Stanford coach Jared Haas coaching his last Pac-12 tournament or not? Coaching his last Pac-12 tournament, pretty disappointing season yeah. for Stanford. And if you are evaluating your head coach and your program based on – you know, what direction is this going? Are you building this? Year two of Harrison Ingram, five-star prospect, pretty decent talent level around him. You start the season as a, as a top 60 team in the predictive metrics. And GP, did you know that Stanford got a first-place vote in the Pac-12 preseason media poll? Oh, no. Who did that? <laughs> yeah. Who did such a thing? <laughs> they were fifth overall, which, right. you know, like from fifth to where they are currently in the standings, like falls in line with this was a disappointing season, but at least one media, 26 media members believed UCLA were going to win the title. One brave media member had Stanford as the first place team, probably looking at Harrison Ingram, former five-star prospects coming back for his second year, a team around him. That's pretty talented, but man, I, I think that this is it because this has been um, this was supposed to be the year that you see a step and instead it's gotten worse from the preseason expectations. Yeah. When you enter the season on the so-called hot seat and then you have this type of season, that's almost always it. Zero NCAA tournaments in seven years for Jared Haas. And like I get if you're younger, you might go, well, at Stanford, what are you supposed to do there? Mike Montgomery used to go to the NCAA tournament basically every year at Stanford. Like they have won at an extremely high level at that place in my lifetime. And so it's just because it's been down for a while doesn't mean that it can't be way better than this. And um, I'll be shocked if they don't try to find a new coach uh, to try to get them back to that place just as soon as this season's over. Um, Can I ask one quick question on that? Of course. Is Stanford on the men's basketball side getting crushed because of their difficult transfer restrictions in the transfer portal era. Cause on the football side, that is what we go back to the transfer portal and we say, this is a date that you have to set new expectations for Stanford football. And people say like, what happened to David Shaw? It's fallen off a cliff there. And it's that the rules around them have changed. The early signing period and the transfer portal, both are just like absolute hell for these coaches trying to get kids simply into school, like through the admissions process. It's a problem, not only for Stanford, but, I don't want to say all schools like Stanford, but most schools like Stanford. Um, What I've been told is that a place like Stanford or Wake Forest, um, you know, Steve Forbes went and bought a team. How how could it be just that tough? (laughs) I I think Forbes would have loved to have gone out and bought a team. I'm not, I'm not certain that he did that despite what Jim Beheim said. Um, You can get the guys coming out of high school. Usually you can get them in school. Um, but but the transfers are more difficult to like you can't pay like and credits don't transfer too like there's a the there's a quarterback who I thought would be playing football somewhere else and he never ended up going anywhere and it ends up being it's like yeah he he showed all of his transcripts from what he's been doing in college and they can't take him that's right and so yes yeah th- th- to answer your question simply yes it is a problem for Stanford I don't believe it's something that can't be overcome mm-hmm. because I don't believe anything is something that can't be overcome as long as you've got the right guy hired and you've got a proper financial investment attached to it. But it is, it is something. Yes. The, and the to your point, in the Colorado, yeah. Colorado used to have tough transfer restrictions and yeah. then Dion came and athletic director, uh, 
Mike, not Mike George, uh, Rick George, yes. athletic director Rick George was like, oh, no, no, we're working with the school. It's all good. That's, University that's presidents right. in, athletic directors in. They've got that buzzword that all the coaches love, alignment. There you go. And so I don't think it's something that can't be overcome, but it is something that has to be overcome. Washington coach Mike Hopkins, is this his last Pac-12 tournament? I'm going to say not fired, but you could convince me otherwise. What's yeah. your call? I, I'm going to say probably back, but probably. I emphasize the word probably back, not definitely back. Only one NCAA tournament in six seasons. Missed it. Um, is about to be four straight seasons. Hasn't finished higher than fifth in any of the past four seasons in the league. I, I think he probably gets one more year, but uh, but we'll see. Oregon State coach Wayne Tinkle. Yes or no? Last Pac-12 tournament. No, I think he's back. I'm with you. I think he probably gets one more season. He's had two NCAA tournaments in nine years, finished sixth in 2021 in the Pac-12, and then surprisingly went all the way to the Elite Eight. Got a big extension then, but then it was dead last in the Pac-12 last season, next to last in the Pac-12 this season, trending the wrong direction. The buyout's around $1.5 million, so that's manageable. Um, I believe, but I, I think he'll probably get, he'll enter next season on the so-called hot seat. Right. And if it's something like this again, that'll be it. But I, I expect him to be back in the 2023-24 season at Oregon State. Last one, Arizona State coach Bobby Hurley. Last Pac-12 tournament or no? If I have inside information or belief that Arizona State will be on its way to the Big 12 after the conclusion of our current media rights deal, then I make a move. Because Bobby Hurley, where he's got Arizona State right now, you know, bubble team, certainly a ceiling of their success in the Pac-12, this program would join the Big 12 and slide right to the bottom. That continuing that, or trying to continue to sell that, wouldn't be it. If you think the Pac-12 is going to stay together, I keep it roll. I think Bobby Hurley keeps it moving. It was just like of all these coaches that we're considering, this one was interesting to me because of the reporting that the Big 12 is you know, talking or using back channels to get to Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. Arizona clearly would you know, join what's already a, a mammoth basketball conference and, and be part of this super league. But Arizona State would be one of those teams that, like we've got a saying on the Cover 3 podcast, you take the checks and you take the losses. That in conference realignment, a lot of these teams, they move or they move up and then they all of a sudden see the losses start to pile up in a way that they weren't used to. And if Arizona State were going to the Big 12 and I knew that that was probably on the horizon, then I'd, I'd make a move because where we're at right now with Bobby Hurley's program, good enough to you know be top three, top four in the Pac-12. If that's your goal, that's fine. But it's, it, it'd be something where I, under the current circumstances, I think he's back for next season. But I thought that was an interesting sort of discussion point or at least thought exercise given the conference realignment buzz of the last like five days or so. I'm with you. I think he's back. Um, he's coached in two of the past four NCAA tournaments, and he's got a chance to make it again this season. So it, it might not be what Arizona State fans dream about, but it's not like he hasn't run this thing straight into the ground either. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's enough. Honestly, like even if you open up the job, like who you getting that I feel more confident in than Bobby Hurley moving forward. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that guy exists. And so I think he's probably back and uh, regardless of what happens to end this season. And I think he probably should, should be back. All right. Um, Pac-12 tournament championship game. What two teams are going to play in it and who's going to win it? I've got Arizona winning over Oregon 
I've got the Ducks taking down UCLA. It's the absence of Jalen Clark, uh, you know, sets a weird mood around this Bruins team. And as I mentioned, Dana Altman has been able to get the best of uh, the goat Mick Cronin before. So that's my big upset. Arizona handles things, takes care of business. The Wildcats cut down nets as Azulis Tabellis doesn't even need to reach up too far on the ladder to cut that thing down. I'm going to like, go chalk. I'm going to go UCLA, Arizona, and then UCLA to win it. Um, I always, uh, um, you know, it, same issue with the NCAA tournament. Like, it's hard for me to to look at something I've been watching for, you know, four or five months and then go, okay, I, it's clear to me this team's better than that team, but I'm taking the inferior team. <laughs> and then, of course, basketball happens and the inferior teams win all the time. But I, I do think UCLA established itself as the clear-cut best team in the Pac-12. I, I know they split with Arizona. Um, and I wouldn't, like, nothing shocking about Arizona beating what might be a shorthanded UCLA team on a neutral court. Um, but UCLA is still playing for a number one seed. Mm. And I think that's enough motivation uh, to keep them focused for, for three games out, out in Las Vegas. Um, obviously, the Jalen Clark situation looms over this. But with or without him, I'll take UCLA to win the Pac-12 tournament. And after UCLA wins the Pac-12 tournament, UCLA, we won't even be debating with anybody. They will be the number one seed in uh, in the West region. So that's we your really pack. just need it. We we need UCLA to be out in the West region. Well, that, I almost wonder. We talked about this on Sunday night. Like, if you're Purdue, are you like you know what? I mean, it doesn't work this way. But if you're Purdue, are you like you know what? We'd rather be the two in a more geographically sensible place. I mean, if they're the, in Louisville, that'd be so awesome. Well, like, do you want, do you really want to be the one in the West and then end up in an elite eight game against Arizona out there? Or, uh, you know, maybe if they were to put you, I mean, there's a scenario where you're the one in the West and UCLA could be the two in the West. Like you really want to deal. You know, when I was a beat writer, 2006 covering the Memphis team, they got a one seed in the West. The two seed in the West was UCLA. And so there you are in the Elite Eight, and it was Memphis, UCLA, Memphis as the one seed, and it was at Oracle in Oakland, and 18,000 UCLA fans. It was like a true road game for Memphis as the one seed. So if you're Purdue, do you even want to be out there dealing with that as the one seed? Like, make me the two seed in a more geographically sensible place. Let UCLA be the one seed in the West. But I don't think we're going to have that debate. I think UCLA is going to win the Pac-12 tournament, and... It'll be clear to everybody UCLA should be the one seed out West. So that's your Pac-12 tournament of preview. Like I said, we're going to have um, all six of the power conferences done in some form. I'm doing three of them with uh, this one with Chip Patterson. The other two, I believe, with David, uh, with Kyle Boone. Uh, Norlander's going to do three of them, one with Chip, two with David Cobb. So if you are a fan of a power conference, uh, go ahead and subscribe. If you're not subscribed to the Ion College Basketball Podcast, make sure you're subscribed to that YouTube channel as well, and then everybody, will, everything will be uh, right there waiting for you. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck and Larnell. And thank you guys once again for listening to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. Like I said, if you're not subscribed, do that. Five stars, nice review over at Apple. There's more of us than there are of them. That should be reflected in the comments, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Until then, take care. Okay, picture this. 
It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.